Good morning, my beautiful people. Well, I guess good morning if you're on the West Coast. Good afternoon and happy Saturday. Welcome to another episode of the RPD show. What, what? Episode 28 we're recording here on Saturday. I was going to say Friday the 13th, but Saturday, March 13th, 2021. Shout out to Dylan Hyde for that beat drop. My man, you can go follow him at Hiding in Headstones on Instagram and all that. Super talented dude. One of my good friends. Whew. Anyways. Oh, you may ask, what hoodie do I have on here, right? Um, previous podcast. I can't even speak today. What am I doing? Previous podcast guest, Theo Hartson, just dropped new merch and he shipped me one of his hoodies. Uh, it looks, it's cream colored with maroon font. Um, I, it feels very comfortable. Uh, a really bold choice for me because sometimes I'm a messy eater and like I'll probably stain this within a week or two. But hey, gotta support your friends. Um, I, I I dig it just because I, I I wear a lot of like black hoodies or I don't have like lighter colors like this, so I'm all about that. So go check those out. Go hit them up if you want one. They're cool. Like I look fresh. Like what can I say? Um, Just in my stretching. Big weekend we have in our hands. Um, well, I guess every weekend's big, but this will be the last weekend in existence that we don't have Zack Snyder's Justice League. That comes out next week, and I'm so excited. Oh, I, I still need to finish Sean O'Connell's book. That episode dropping Tuesday or Wednesday, just depends. Where uh, me and Trent are working really hard on the on some post-production stuff for the show and i'm really excited about it um just upping just changing some things and making things look better and making us legit baby not that we aren't but like making it even more legit <laughs> um so it's, it's really exciting trent's the, trent's the man he does the graphics he mixes and edits the audio he's he's my co-producer of the show we bounce ideas off each other all the time i wouldn't be where I am without him. So if you need graphic design or audio services, or he's dialing into video editing now too. Um, or if you just want to go check out his music, go, go hit him up at either Trent Stark or Trent Stark music. And he'll gladly, you know, talk with you just cause you know, he, he works really hard. I work hard and it is, you know, it's all love. You know, so shout out to him. He'll probably be cheesing when he gets to this. Um, yeah, uh, today though, today's a very special episode because I am having one of um, my best friends on the show today, Nikki V. We, you know, we've been best friends really since the sixth grade. Obviously, I, I mean, I moved to Buffalo from San Diego. He lives in San Diego. So we don't see each other as much, but we stay in touch. Um, it's, uh, it's going to be a really fun one. Been meaning to have him on for a while, but it feels like the time is right. He's in a bit of a transition and he's been working on this book series, which is like pretty remarkable. I mean, who, you know, not many people, you know, my age or even in general, like I'm going to create this sci-fi book series that, you know, 
So he's been working hard on that. I'm, I'm curious to hear updates. Um, and obviously, me and him both love the – we talk Marvel and DC and all that all the time. So we're going to talk some WandaVision, some Falcon and Winter Soldier hype, Zack Snyder's Justice League. It's just going to be a cool conversation. We grew up playing basketball together. His dad coached us. And, you know, the type of friendship where, like, middle school, high school, he's at my house, I'm at his house, you know, like every other weekend or whatever. And we just would always have a good time. Um, me, him, and Theo, the Theo Hartson, previous podcast guest, we were like the the big three. We'd always be hanging out, doing stuff. But, uh, yeah, so super exciting. Super exciting stuff. Um I'm I'm really excited for this one because some some of the guests obviously I may not it's more of a professional thing like I'm trying to help you give them a platform to promote their thing or their song or whatever and this is more of like I'm doing the same but also like this like he knows me too well I know him too so it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting dynamic it's gonna be fun I'm really looking forward to it he should be joining any moment but uh, if you know if you're still listening at this point. You know, I, I thank you enough. Like, yeah, I know you probably don't check out every episode, but if you're a constant, you know, been listening from day one, I appreciate it. We're trying to improve the show and we are improving the show. Um, not that it's, I don't think it's bad, but it's, uh, there's always room for improvement and that's how you grow. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to what's to come and got a lot of very cool guests planned that I can't wait to like roll out and, I mean, some guests that have been recorded and some that are in the works that I'm coordinating with. It's it's, it's going to be fun. This is this is fun. This is why I do it, you know. Um, nothing. Uh, it's, you know, it's it's a passion project that is kind of a networking tool, really. I mean, if you if you have a uh, idea for a podcast, start it. I mean, there are a lot of people, you know, I mean, everyone and their mother has a podcast now. I uh, I hope I'm bringing value to you know anyone that is out there listening. But I mean, what a, what a world we live in today, right? It's uh, it's quite a time. It really is. So um, things are improving. I think we're we're getting there. So I'm uh, optimistic. I'm an optimistic person. So it's. Uh, We'll see where it goes, but man, I kind of need a haircut, but I'm, I don't know. I'm contemplated hit like subscribe and follow, you know, all that good jazz. But without further ado, please welcome Nikki V to the R P D show. Hey, thanks for coming on the R P D show. Nikki V. It is a pleasure to be with you today, Ryan. Okay, that that was longer than I thought, but then the head I was gonna do the head nod that uh Chadwick Boseman does, the cap. Oh yeah. Now you got me hyped. That's a great intro, man. Uh this has been long overdue, but I'm glad we're doing this. Yeah, dude. How's um life and everything out in out in the West Coast? Uh life has been the same since March 13th of 2020. Inside with masks <laughs> I, I hear you i mean it's it's a strange time you know i've got 
some N95s in the corner over here. But um, how's uh, how's well? I mean, how has it been for you? Like, have you been able to stay sane? I mean, at least personally for me, it's been like kind of a huge roller coaster. And then yeah. I'm I'm like well, I mean I still like I'm like kind of like I'll have my two week funks and then I'm like oh I'm back to normal. And then it's like damn I'm sad <laughs> and I'm yeah. it, it's it's weird. No, I I definitely I think you've experienced this where I I go through different phases of optimism and then I just crash with like this is never going to end and past year has been hard because um I work with kids and the school shut down so my job kind of went away um and then it came back for a little bit but then we started taking care of my grandma she was high risk and I had to step away from my work again so I haven't been working in the past since July so I've been, uh, luckily I, I have school and I have other like passion projects I've been working on, but, um, yeah, it's, it gets lonely. I'm not going to lie. It, it does because it's not like, like you can ask people to hang out, but it's still like weird, you know? And it's like, even if you do, it's like, you do that like once every month or, you know, it's just like not a normal social and like. I don't know. Like, this is cool what we're doing. Like, you know, we're on, we're on talking to each other on a computer and through, or through yeah. the phone or whatever. And, but like, it's like, it's not, it's obviously not the same type of interaction. You know what I mean? Like, it's just. Well, I mean, even before quarantine, this is all we could do because you're all the way on the East coast. I'm out here. So That's true. this is how I get my dose of Ryan. Hey but. man, I, I feel, I mean, like I was actually thinking about it when I was showering this morning. I was like, I, I feel like I haven't, it's, it feels like it's been longer than what the year or like year and a half that I've actually been out there and like seen you and the fam, you know, your family. I think you were out here fall 2019. Yeah. Just so like, before well, it all hit. Pretty much. Yeah. Wow. But it feels like it's been longer because, you know, 2020 has felt like it's been two to three, at least two to three years. Yeah. At least like it's just weird. But how's, uh, how's the family doing and everything? I, I miss them a lot. Family's good. Mom's been teaching away like crazy. She's been doing virtual um, schooling. So it's difficult because um, she can't be with there with the kids to interact directly. But it's easier in a way because if a kid is acting up, she can just mute them. And then she doesn't have to worry about them. So <laughs> it's nice in that aspect. But um, she definitely works a lot. And my dad's been working a lot from home. He sometimes goes to the office to they got better internet connection there or whatnot. Uh, my sister's been like working like crazy. She actually just signed her first lease like two days ago. So wow. she's moving out within a couple of weeks, I think, after her second uh, vaccine. And then and then she's a, she's an adult now. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. It's yeah. it's crazy. But that's that's good to hear. I'm glad everyone is doing well. I'm curious on the education part because, I mean, obviously I'm not – I haven't been in school for – a little bit and so do you think going forward it's going to be like half online half like in person or do you think once the vaccine and things i mean it's too hard to predict the future but um i don't know what where do you think like it's going to be like going forward like Dude, that's a it, passionate topic of mine okay. oh you know okay. better than me so <laughs> I mean, there's so much to unpack there because 
first of all, I think the whole education system needs a revamp. It needs a, something modernized. It needs something that's equitable for all people of all incomes, of all races. Um, and I think 2020 really pushed us to that future because um, we were forced to have such drastic changes in education. Um, there had been online you know, school before, but not to the scale that suddenly, you know, most of the U.S. is online and virtual. And uh, it really, I think, progressed schools to give students uh, access to online education because I know that my mom's students didn't have laptops or even Wi-Fi, like internet at all. So the fact that um, the school provided this for them and now they have an opportunity to be connected to the internet it, it's unlocked huge opportunities. Um, but going forward, I definitely think, I was actually listening to a radio show yesterday, uh, Michael Smirconish, where he was saying that colleges now have the ability to accept way more people than um, they deny. They, they used to be denying people because, you know, 80 years ago, they could only fit so many people on a campus. But nowadays, um, you don't need, you know, 100,000 people on campus. You can have half of them online if that's what they want to do because some kids are working nowadays. Um, having virtual education really is a flexible option for uh, growing adults and whatnot. So um, the future, I definitely think, is virtual is included. But I also, um, I want to see an education system where there's less uh, homework, less uh, reading, less, um, you know, sort of listening to a teacher ramble. I want to see more of a project-based approach where, um, you know, kids actually do things that has them creating something. And then once they create something, they can use that on their resume. They can use that um, even as like a, if they want to grow their own platform, because I think social media is going to be huge in the future. Where like if can you imagine if you were in fifth grade or something or even high school and the project was to create a podcast and um, that was like the English project you would have gotten an invaluable experience from that and you would have been able to take that you know all the way to um, something you could have started this a long time ago you know so um, it's just stuff like that where I think uh, if we can incorporate modern technology with a learning system that we know works to a degree and you know merge them together i think we could have a real impact in the future definitely i i agree pretty much with i mean with everything you said there because i mean it, it is an outdated system and i think we were kind of you know it was forced to be more tech uh heavy due mm -hmm. to the pandemic but i i think yeah i, th I think less i i I don't know. I, I, cause I was, I wasn't really that great at school. I mean, I, I guess stuff that didn't really interest me, it was just kind of like, eh, whatever, but exactly. And, 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 you know, it's, I don't know. I think the, the, the homework and stuff, like it's valuable, but I don't know. I, th I, I think, I hope they crack down, they find a way to crack down and make it less busy work and maybe more of a balance. So it's like, you're kind of more excited where it's like you're say you know working on a podcast or whatever and whatever interests you and then 
then you're not as like bummed out about to, about homework. You know, I feel yeah. like, I mean, it, balance is good, but who knows? Maybe it, I don't know when that will happen, but I think you have a great idea there. So, well, I mean, um, something you're never going to get away from, like, um, or at least I think you couldn't get away from, like math. Kids were going to have to do some repetitive stuff to get their multiplication tables down and um, stuff like that. But if you can incorporate it in some way that it's not just, like you said, busy work where it's um, some sort of project that is fun and prepares them for the real world. Because I, I see too often people say like, yeah, my college degree didn't help me at all for this. Um, <laughs> no, like, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I feel that with, I mean, I, I, I think it's good to go to school for college and I'm glad it, it, you know, you learn about more about yourself, you know, and then you take, you know, what you're doing. I mean, and I'm glad you're, you know, you're back in school too. I mean, we'll get into that, but it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, your idea I think is great because as you know, the, the work field is ever so competitive, you know, just with positions trying to fit, you know, it, it's, it's pretty nuts. Like with, how many, I don't know. Cause I, I, I think our generation is so, so unique where we were raised on uh, principles of, you know, a little of the old school, but also we were young enough in the thick of like the, the social media and tech, you know, like the younger, you know, the kids today, they, they're, they have all these apps and stuff already. It's like, we kind of were, like I remember we were in high school when Instagram first came out, you know, and, um, and we, you know, we were playing outside and I don't know our gender. I just think our gen, like our age group is very like unique. <clears throat> we're like very, I don't know, but I guess that's what everyone will say growing up. Like, well, I, I think it's a, I think you're right. And I think it's a clash of cultures and, um, clash of different time eras. Um, uh, uh, even our parents' generations, they grew up with VHS and record players and Walkmans and, um, uh, you know, obviously like newspapers and stuff. And um, we grew up in an era that was, I would say, just after the Internet was really taking off, whereas uh, sort of making a heyday. And um, it's even evolved since then. And I was actually listening to something the other day where um, someone suggested that there's been, well, two eras of the internet, and there's a third one that's emerging right now. So the first era was when um, really like social media first took off with like MySpace and stuff. And it was, the internet back then was a sort of centralized um, I, like entity that was controlled by a few major players. Um, now it's in the second generation where so many different people have different stakes in the internet. So like, uh, like you can go to Instagram, you can go to Facebook, you can go to YouTube. Um, even though they're sort of their own brands, they're still owned by a, a single entity, which is evolved from the first generation of the internet. But the next generation of the internet, some are saying the third internet 3.0, they're saying is, uh, basically sort of like a blockchain type internet where um, it's decentralized, but 
it's uh, which means less government oversight, which means all these different things. But um, I just think it's interesting how how um, the different time eras influence our culture in the present, and the internet that we know now is going to be much different from the internet in the future, and how that affects our perception of reality and stuff like that. So, I think you're right. Isn't that just so fascinating? Now, like it's crazy. Um, <clears throat> are you familiar with NFTs at all? In like the digital art space. I mean, I'm not tangible tokens. I was actually yeah. thinking about them this morning. Yeah, dude. I mean, I'm not. I don't have enough knowledge on it to like talk deeply about it. But I've, I'm so fascinated with that because there's there's artists and people like you can people are you can like buy moments, right? Like in like yeah. Sports. I mean, I, I I'll give you the sh like schmoda of what I know. Basically, like for example, the poster behind you um, is a. Uh, thing that has value to you um, it's not unique because there's multiple copies of it um, but if it was the only one in the world you'd be the only one in the world to have that poster now take minecraft for example where you can build a whole virtual world and if you had a virtual house and you wanted to like decorate your house you could buy an nft of that poster and you'd be the only one in the world that had it and because of its rarity, it would increase in value if a lot of people wanted it. Um, there's some NFTs that are like $2 and no one's really gonna buy. But um, like Jack Dorsey's tweet, first tweet, I think it's at auction for 2.5 million right now. Um, and so you can keep that NFT, it'll be yours like a digital, um, I mean, we're going into a digital world. We're going into like a world where uh, it's very sci-fi. Um, and it's hard for us to imagine right now because we're still very much in reality. But I think once uh, like virtual reality becomes more prominent um, and even like you might have in the future, there might be like goggles or something that project holograms and stuff. And you can see that people will have these NFTs on them and it'll sort of be like a. I don't know if a sign of respect, but you know, if someone gets or way back when, when someone got the newest brand of Jordan sneakers, they're like, oh, that's sick. So in the future, I think an NFT is going to be some like, oh, he got that NFT like that. That's tight. Um, and it's just taking off right now. So if you find something that is, you know, cool and you think has potential value, I would recommend trying to invest in it. I'm still trying to find out how to do that exactly. But me too. I'm I'm learning about it. And I mean, that's all just it's it's crazy. It's fast. It's fascinating. It's I don't know. It's a, it's, it's changing the game. I mean, yeah. there's artists, you know, that th there's this artist named Fawocious. He's like a 17 year old kid. I think, I don't even know if I'm saying his name right, but he yeah. did like cover art for my friend, Tim Buds. And like, he's like a really talented artist and he's selling like his art pieces online for like anywhere from like two grand to like a hundred thousand dollars just cause they're so unique. And like, and it's like, dude, what? And like, yeah. there's other, you know, a lot of these artists are just like paying, they're making a lot of money on these NFTs. And it's, and one of my, someone that I know, they sold, they sold one and they sold it for an uh, Arethium, which is like a form of Bitcoin, right? Yeah. And I was like, what? That's crazy. I mean, I don't know. And even with Dogecoin too, like <laughs> I saw that the Mav, the Mav, hold the line. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that the Mavs, the, that Mark Cuban was like, yeah, we're going to start accepting Dogecoin as 
um, payment. Or it's like, what? Yeah. But it, it's crazy. I mean, I, at first I thought it was called dog coin because of the dog pictures everyone was posting. I'm, I thought it was doggy because it's like dog e, like a like a virtual dog. So that's right. why I was like it's doggy coin, but it's Doge. Apparently. Yeah, that's it's all fascinating stuff, and I think we could talk about it for hours. But I think I want to get more into um, personal stuff with you. Um, tra- transition, I think, is a really unique topic for you right now because for those that uh, may not be familiar. Nick here, he he had a he created an Instagram account called the Holotron where he would post these I'm not even sure how to describe it, but really. these sci-fi concept arts that were just like awesome, like just so cool. But recently he uh transitioned into um making that more of his personal page because He's working on a book that he's been working on. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but um, I guess to, I, I want I want to hear more about like how this transition has impacted you and just what made you want to do that. Because I mean, I'm sure it hasn't been easy. Like people are probably like, "Yeah, we're on following you." Like, forget you, blah blah blah. So I, I guess start with that. So <clears throat> I'll start from the beginning. Started. In 2013, when I traveled to a little place called Buffalo, New York, and uh, oh. never come up in the scene where uh, there's so many people, at least that you were around, that were um, investing their time in social media accounts that had a lot of followers, and um, wasn't necessarily about them, but it posted they posted things that they wanted to. Like we had a friend that did earth picks, right? And like um, US history and uh, just like a bunch of other things that had like millions of followers. And uh, I was like, oh, that's awesome. Um, back then, <clears throat> I, I, I saw Instagram as a way to validate yourself um, with likes and stuff. And um, I wanted to get into that scene. So I, I think maybe in 2015, I, um, I actually purchased the account for like $200. Um, and it only had like 20,000 followers at the time. Um, and I don't remember what it was posting before, but I knew that at the time I was working on a book, a book, a series that was based in science fiction. And I knew that um, once my book was complete, I would be marketing it towards people that have an appreciation for science fiction and uh, you know, just kind of out there concept arts of robots and aliens and like, strange worlds, sort of fantasy-like. Um, so I, I, I started posting a bunch of concept art from different really talented artists and there would be like aliens and just cool cyberpunk um, vehicles and weapons and stuff. And, you know, I did that for like six years. I would post three, three times a day. And um, I amassed, I think I got to like 100, almost 160,000 followers, which uh, was really crazy. But then I, I started realizing something as I've, you know, gotten older and evolved. Um, the only way I can really equate it to is um, when an actor who isn't really well known 
when they first come on the scene and they star in something that just defines them for the rest of their career. Like, um, for example, Daniel Radcliffe. No one knew who he was before Harry Potter, but now after Harry Potter, if you see him in any other movie, you'll always think of him as Harry Potter or even Rupert Grint or um, even I think Daisy Ridley. She wasn't really known before, but now anything that you see her in after is most likely she's just gonna be Rey from Star Wars. So they kind of <clears throat> build themselves into a hole where they're just known for that one thing. Similar, similarly, um, my account sort of built me into a hole where I wasn't the face of it. And um, I amassed a bunch of people that weren't, they were followers, but they were more um, just like, I don't, they weren't there. I think there's a difference between having a uh, following that is loyal and um, really respects and tries to engage what you put out. And then there's a difference between the type that I had, which was sort of just observing for, you know, just for fun. Um, and I wanted this type, but at the time when I first started, I didn't know that there is this different type of attraction on Instagram. <clears throat> so I, I write um, young adult books and picture books for kids. And I, as I've been talking with agents and different like writing coaches over the years, they've told me that I need to somehow transition my account where, um, you know, people know who I am and they know what I'm doing and they know what I can offer for other people. And, you know, just really like who I am as a person. And it just seems so overwhelming because to have a, to stop a freight train of 160,000 people and just turn pretty drastically a different way um, is no easy undertaking. And so I, I sort of just stopped posting for about six months and I, and I sat down, I'm like, okay, how am I going to do this without offending the people that I, you know, have garnered support for, but get more people that I think would fit more of my ideal audience. So I sort of, I, I made my own brand logo. I've thought about what I'm good at, which is writing and what I'm passionate about, which is the environment and um, just sort of like my personality. Cause I think, I, I think sometimes I have a, you know, a good personality. I don't know. And, personality. <laughs> thanks, man. and uh, I was figuring out ways that I could be engaging with my old audience, but also transitioning into people like book readers and bloggers and vloggers and just really, hardcore um, readers because in today's literary world, um, most readers will read maybe one to two books a year. And that's like the devout readers that the like really hardcore readers, they, they can read up to like 12 or 50 even books a year. Um, so your market is very small because not many people are reading books at all nowadays. <laughs> um, so, in order to grab those people, you have to find out what attracts them. And so I've been trying to incorporate that in my new account. Um, and so far it's been, it's been better than I thought. It's a lot harder than I thought because um, I'm not used to sort of being this presented as an, I guess you would say an influencer, but I'm not really an influencer, but I'm, I'm presenting my page as if I was. Um, so it's hard posting 
consistently with quality content and not all my content is really jumping out at people and some content is so I'm learning of what is working what's not and I'm also dealing with a lot of fan well not fans but people that followed me before that were uh I wouldn't say they were diehard supporters but they're they definitely followed me for one reason which was for the concept art and um you know I've gotten some mean comments but over the years I've I've gotten used to that so I'm just I just keep pushing along and hoping that um you know it works out that's amazing I I, I think it's uh i think it's really good that you did that because i guess kind of what you're when you're talking about agents and other because you got to put a name to a face right and that's probably what they're probably telling you because so then you'll have leverage like oh like you have i mean i hate to say it but the following having followers means a lot in today's world you know and that may be able to help you get a deal or leverage something where I don't know. It, it just helps. So I, th- and I, uh, I, you know, I, it, it's very courageous to like have to do that complete 360 shift, you know, on the account. So I'm, I applaud you. As soon as I noticed that, that's when I was like, yep, this is, this is when it's time to do this podcast. Cause it's been obviously long overdue, but, um, has when you switched it, switch the account though, has, um, any of the negative, comments has that really gotten to you at all because i like i'm i'm curious because like i'm i'm not this show isn't big enough to the point where i'm getting to hate comments like that you know it's just all a small community it's not like anything drastic i think i I developed sort of a thick skin a couple years ago when um like i said i sort i started social media um or at least the holotron with the fact that i thought it could validate me so i would post like three even sometimes five times a day i didn't understand really how instagram worked and i would get really mad when i wouldn't get enough likes or when a certain thing that i thought was cool would you know blow up but then another thing that i thought was cool didn't blow up um and i would like get mad at myself i'm mad at other people I'm like why don't you guys like this like i didn't know there's an algorithm or anything like that um, but then I, I started realizing that posting on social media can really take you down a sewer drain if you let it, because, um, I feel like Instagram has evolved to a place where you expect, uh, people to sort of praise you. It's like you're, you're, you're getting your one shining moment on a, on a TV screen and, it's like, okay, now throw me some flowers. You know, that's what you people might expect. But um, at the end of the day, what it really should be is just an extension of yourself. It should be an expression of yourself where you're sharing with people who you are as a person, what you, what you value, what you think is cool, uh, happy moments, um, some knowledge that you might know. And if people respond to it, then that's great. And if they don't respond to it, it's not something to, you know, burn yourself for. It's it's something to learn from and say, okay, well, this isn't working. Maybe I'll try this next time. Um, and when people, I, I've gotten some mean comments over the years. Um, and at first it really did affect me, but um, I, I, first of all, it's virtual. 
So it's a lot easier to say things to people that you're not like up in their face with, and you don't really even see a face at all. Um, so I, I, I take that into account. And then I also think about the other person because for them to, I think I learned this from Gary V where he said for them to take the energy, the time of their day to, you know, exercise their fingers and enrage their thoughts to send something that is not positive your way um, without something that could, there's a difference between like just hate and then criticism. But if they're just sending hate, then, uh, you know, you got to feel bad for them because that's on them. That's something that's personal to them that they need to fix within themselves. But if they send you some criticism, like helpful criticism, like your content sucks, which, you know, is obviously not the great, but if they say like, if you did this instead, then that's like a conversation you can have with someone. But if someone's just saying, uh, go die, um, I, I didn't plan on doing that today. So I, I can't do that. So, you know, I just kind of push it aside, but. <laughs> well, you're on a good train of thought and I didn't want to interrupt you, but you said one shining moment. I was literally thinking on the line. <laughs> the ball is tipped. It is March. So, I mean, I've been, I haven't oh, yeah. been into college basketball this year and I'm kind of like easing into it. So I, I immediately I thought of that. And I'm like, yes. Is it but canceled last year? The tournament? Yeah. No, it's in going to be played in Indianapolis. Like they're you know, not. The last year was it canceled? Yeah, they canceled it. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, they're doing like yeah, limited. That's funny. As I was saying, as I was saying, one shining moment. I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot. That's my song. Well, you no, it's because at the end of each uh, college basketball March Madness tournament, they I think it's CBS. They have a um, song called One Shining Moment that they play for the winner, and Ryan would always sing it whenever we were younger and. It was just like his little go-to song. It was so funny. It, mot- it would motivate me. Like I, I love. Like I would try to have. It was funny because when you think of a motivational song, you might think of like at least for me, like a rap song or something that gets you really hyped. And Ryan would be like, "No, this song, this song hits me in my core, and it's like filled with like falsettos and trumpets." <laughs> hey, that, I guess that makes a lot of sense now. I mean, this song right here has been my go-to like podcast hype song. Uh. It's called a little less conversation. It's Junkie XL, who's like a composer. Oh like, yeah, he does scores for yeah. like doing the new Ju- Zack Snyder's Justice League. But yeah. Anyway, well, I've heard this before. Yeah, it's it's a you know it's a nice little rhythm. But yeah, go go into the the Gary V thing. Let me just turn my phone back off. Uh, I I love. Well, first of all, I love Gary V and. Um, I, that's like probably one of my favorite things he's ever said. Like, just like, you gotta be in a really dark place to just send hatred towards somebody, you know? And even if you're not feeling it, I mean, it's like, yeah, I, I, I really liked what you said about all that, but, um, I want to talk about this book series you've been working on. I know, I mean, personally, I know you've been working on it for a while. I know it's hard, you know, hard to, uh, when you're creating something, you know, like, it's hard to like open up and tell people about it. Cause they may, they obviously don't understand what you're bringing, you know, from your mind to life. And you you know, you don't ever want to like hype something up to the point where it's like, like, Oh yeah, my book's dropping next year. And then you create this expectation and then you create a deadline on yourself and create all this pressure. But 
how how is that going along i mean any details you want to share any the process about it um i don't know i'm, I'm just curious I'm, I'm sure the audience would love to hear as well yeah it's a it's a process unlike anything i've ever done man it's it's like the hardest thing in the world um that i've ever tried to do it's not the hardest thing ever i think the hardest thing ever might be like solving racism or um which i think is easier than it appears to be but that's another topic um so i i think it was just after 2013 so maybe like 2014 when i was sitting in my bed one night and i just sort of had this epiphany and i was um like i'm gonna write a book series i had no idea what it was gonna be about or what was gonna happen i just knew that i was gonna write a book series and slowly i think from 2014 to maybe 2000 really 19 no 2020 really um it was always sort of an idea and i would i had a rough outline of the series and different books but i never really got to actually writing it but when the pandemic hit i was like okay there's no better time i have so much free time than to just start writing now so <clears throat> I started writing the first book, um, I think in like April of last year, and I finished it uh, maybe like July or August. And like that alone was super hard, but it was also a lot easier now that I'm on the second book because the first book is honestly the one that I had the most um, vision, vision as they would say. <laughs> um <laughs> that i had like the biggest ideas of what i wanted the story to be like so it was easy for me to sort of um you know go from chapter to chapter scene to scene plot point to plot point and be like okay so i'm here i need to get here how am i going to do that um so at the time it was hard but compared to the second book which is i think so total there's seven books um, I've I've sort of paced it similar to Harry Potter um, and because Harry Potter has seven books and the second book is the one that I never really knew what was going to happen. Like I know it's I know I have certain plot points in my head of what's going to happen in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh book. And I have ideas of how to get there. But the second book itself was not something that I really ever knew um, what was going to happen, but I knew it was important. And now that I've, I only have like one more chapter actually of it. Um, now that I've basically finished it, I know that it's huge in the book because it's sort of similar to Captain America Civil War, where you have the two different uh, factions of Iron Man and Captain America. Iron Man wants sort of this government control and oversight and Captain America still wants the power in his hand. Similarly, sort of, in my book, there's one person that wants, um, so how do I explain it? Basically, there's there's a group of people that are devout um, followers of this religion, and they think that that religion entitles them to um, sort of live above other people or uh, be close to perfect or that it, it is the way as the Mandalorian would say. Um, but then there's other people that are like, no, you guys are so extreme in your beliefs that um, 
you're being blinded by like what it is to no live normally. And I've sort of taken that from religion of today where um, you have some people that are just like huge sort of fanatic um, religious believers. And then you have other people where it's like, well, you don't have to be perfect. You can make mistakes and you don't have to, um, you know, kill yourself over a sin or, you know, messing up one time. Um, Cause I think that's been a big part of my life, at least growing up where I, I was sort of brought up to believe that you have to be perfect all the time. And if you make a mistake, then um, you are not living the way of God and whatnot. And so I've tried to incorporate those themes into a sci science fiction adventure. Um, I think the biggest influences for the second book, at least, are from Civil War, Captain America, and Harry Potter and the uh, Chamber of Secrets, my favorite Harry Potter film. Um, and yeah, I mean, basically the whole series itself is something that's, I think is so freaking cool because, um, are you familiar with destiny, the video game? Not so much now. It's, it's like a, it's, so imagine like star Wars meets, um, Harry Potter. Cause I, I would say it's, it's, so, it's based in science fiction, but it has magic and stuff in it. But, the like design elements of um, Destiny and the just the whole aura of it is so fascinating. And I, I, I think in 2014, I saw this, the first commercial for it, and it was called, uh, what was it called? The Law of the Jungle. And um, it had this hunter in a cloak with a hood and this super cool mask and from the moment I saw that, I was like, that's my main character. And so from there, I sort of just started building and building. And um, yeah, I mean, I could go on and on about my books, but um, at the end of the day, I think it's something that I think it's going to take a while to finish because I'm only on book two. And um, my plan is to finish all seven books before I even publish the first one because um it's one of those series where the beginning is the end and the end is the beginning. So I really have to make sure that leading up to book seven, all the different Easter eggs and stuff makes sense. Um, Cause I know that for um, what's her name, JK Rowling, when she started Harry Potter, she said it would have been a lot easier if she would have written um, all seven books and then sort of, you know, maneuvered where she needed to, to make the, flow better and whatnot and i'm sure even kevin feige would say that if he had the chance to write all 22 movies um beforehand it would have been really uh, compelling but then again the way that he's constructed the marvel universe has been really fun because he kind of just builds upon each different story and movie and um but the way that i'm approaching my books at least is that i'm gonna do an outline and then, and then see where it goes from there. <clears throat> wow. Wow is an understatement. Um, seven book series that, I mean, you don't hear many people that are like really anyone at all that have that type of ambition. And, and I mean, your writing has always been like top notch. And I mean, 
I don't know. I have so many questions, but it's just like, I mean, you're, you're world building. You like, you have a vision board, right? Where like, you kind of just write out everything and I don't know. That's well, all I fascinating. It, and well, I mean, I, I, I can get into my writing process if you want. <clears throat> that'll be my next question. But as I'm saying, I mean, the, before we, we move on, I, I want to say is uh, I can't wait to be at the uh, movie premiere. That's well, going to be, plan, I, it sounds like it's going to be, uh, it has potential to, you know, be a, you know, something in film, but that's, you know, obviously you got to, definitely cinematic the way that i approach it yeah so but that's that's oh man I'm, I'm excited for you that's so but that the patience that it takes like because obviously not every day you wake up you're like oh i have this grand idea and how you know it's like what's the process been like you know like the writer's block like how frustrating is that like the writing process <laughs> yeah. to be honest i don't really get writer's block because um, this whole world has been in my head for so long that I, um, I know the steps to overcome a writer's block. So, um, the way that I approach my stories is it actually stems from you, Mr. Pod, because a couple of years ago, um, you were really into, uh, movie scores and, I thought it was the strangest thing. I'm like, still am. Well, yeah, obviously, but I would be like, why would you want to listen in your car to like a song from a movie? Not a song, but like an actual, you know, cello and you know, there's bass and stuff from a movie with no words, and you know, rock out to it. And I was like, that just seems sort of out there. But then, you know, I love movies, so obviously, when I first tried it, I was like, oh this is a different reality, man. I'm on the astral plane. And I was, um, you know, you showed me some of your stuff. I was like, dude, this is sick. So then I started experimenting with my own stuff where I, you know, gathered a different songs from different movies that I enjoyed, like Star Wars and Indiana Jones and stuff. And when you're listening to a song or a score from a movie, you can sometimes remember the exact moment that it's used in the movie, but the way that I use it is I, I sort of take the flow of the song and I approach it as someone within my, within my book. So um, at the beginning, like you said, I did have a vision board and I had a lot of notebooks and I still do, but I, I noticed over time that it was really wasteful <laughs> and quite honestly unorganized because I would have, you know, chapter seven in this purple notebook and I would have uh, my main character's flaws in this notebook. And it was just like jumbled all over the place. So I, I, I think really in the past couple of months, really, I've ventured into all digital. So I have different apps that um, organize my, my different chapters, my different characters, my world, which is honestly one of the hardest things in the world because building an entire world from scratch is not as easy as you would think. Um, no, it sounds very hard. <laughs> one of my biggest complaints with movies or even books is that the world feels too similar or too on the nose from something in our world. And when I go to these different movies or uh, read different books, I want to be transported to a world that I don't know. But yet, 
subtly is still familiar, but um, so one of the things that I've taken really seriously in my books is that I try to create things that make sense um, for the world. So like, for example, with something that uh, like a restroom, for example, like in our world, it's obvious what a restroom would look like, but in a science fiction world, what would that look like? You know, in the future from 200, 300 years from now, um, a bathroom is going to look a lot different than a bathroom of today. A bathroom 200 years ago looked a lot different. They, um, you know, use little holes in the ground. They use leaves and whatnot. Oh <laughs> um, they use the poop shacks. Um, and nowadays there's like heated seats, heated toilets. Um, so it's thinking of stuff that's now, but transporting it to the way into the future, but still making it, um, you know, understandable for today's people. Um, so that's one of the hard things with world building, but getting back to the scores, um, when I'm assembling the different plot lines, like the beginning, the middle, the end, which is not as simple as just the beginning and the middle, the end, because there's actually, depending on what method you use, there can be up to 12 different plot points where you have a hook, then you have the key event, then you have the inciting event, then you have the midpoint, then you have the, you know, and on and on. There's all these different rider jargon that can be overwhelming. But what I do is I use the scores to sort of, um, I guess, sonically envision my story. So when I'm in my car, I'll, I'll play like my first book. I have a whole playlist of each scene. Each scene has a different song from a movie that I use as inspiration um, to sort of set the tone and the mood of what the scene is going to entail. So um, for example, um, actually, well, I don't want to give that away. <laughs> um, so actually, so the first book is really and uses a lot of scores from Chronicles of Narnia. Um, it was like, uh, dude, honestly, that's like one of my favorite scores of all time. Um, what's his name? I think James, no, it's not Harry Robertson Williams or something like that. Um, it's the composer and his scores are so magical yet triumphant yet powerful yet tender. And that's really what I wanted the first book to sort of feel like, at least for as a writer, when you're when you're stuck on, like you said, writer's block, um, it can be really hard if you don't have some inspiration or if you're not transported to that world to think of, okay, well then how am I gonna get past this little hurdle? But if you have that music, at least for me, ideas just start flowing and, um, and you know, you sort of figure a way around it. And specifically for writer's block, one thing that I always found works every single time um, it just takes a lot of time is that you have to think about what it is that you're stumbling over. So if you're stumbling over something that, um, for example, if a character is in an elevator and the power's out and you need a way for the movie, the story to progress forward and you don't know how, what you do is, um, I learned this from Andy Weir, the writer of uh, The Martian. He said, you got to put the pen to paper and you got to start writing. 
because you can you can visualize it all day but if you actually just start writing out your thoughts and working through what you know of the world what you know of the character what you know what is in the elevator you know what happened before you know where you're supposed to go you can start picking out things that could help the character so if they're stuck in an elevator you could think about the character's talents or what are their abilities are they uh, super flexible could they go through the elevator shaft um you could look at what weapons they have or what um what planet they're on what whatever you just got to think about the bigger picture and that's really how i go through writer's block i can go on and on so stop me whenever you want shut up no i'm just kidding <laughs> uh now that, that that's crazy that's uh i mean i feel like writer's block is a very easy excuse that writers can use you know it's like oh i, I don't have but if you if you're able to work through it i, I, I think it's great that you don't have that, you know? I mean, I feel like it, it's just something that holds you back, right? And it's just not, if you're able to overcome the obstacle, then, I mean, especially when you're working on such a large project, you know, like that you're working on, it, it's, uh, you don't really have, you can't spend, you know, it's, it'd probably be very frustrating to go weeks and months or days without being able to work on it, you know? Well, don't get me wrong. I don't get writer's block, but I do get writer's fatigue. And that fatigue comes from knowing what it takes to get through a writer's block. So, I mean, I guess in a sense, I do get writer's block, but it's not like I'm stumped. Like I know the process to get past it. It just takes a lot of energy and effort and a lot of like critical thinking um, to figure a way around it because it's not as simple. I always equate it to sort of exercising. When you're exercising and you have a beginning, a middle and end of a workout, you know what the next step is because it's right in front of you. Um, you know that if you need to run 10 miles, you just have to keep running. If you get tired, you can stop, but it's not like you're stumped as a rider is because the 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 challenge is is apparent it's clear it's obvious that in order to complete your workout you just have to put one leg in front of the other breathe and you maybe get some water and, and keep going keep pushing yourself but in writing it's different because it's not like you can just um keep writing you have to figure out what you're writing about you have to figure out um just so many variables and as for someone that's really visual that is that can be hard but if you just stick to the process um every time it's worked for me it just it takes a lot of effort and critical thinking to get there most definitely i mean i, I you know i think great things aren't built overnight so i mean <clears throat> it's i'm sure it's quite the process so i'm it is. There's a method to the madness. Um, that that was some really good stuff. I, if anyone is a writer out there, you know, definitely reach out to Nick and Nicky B and talk to him. You know, just it's it's always good to connect with others on similar topics. So, um, I'm curious. This is uh, this these next topics uh, are things that we very closely share. You know, passion for. 
I I, I want to hear your thoughts on the WandaVision series because oh. <laughs> I know as a writer, I'm sure you appreciate the storytelling, but Thank I'm also you. curious to hear your thoughts. Like we we're texting, and I I you mentioned that I'm not going to put words in, but you, it seemed like that you weren't really a fan of the finale. So what were yeah. your thoughts on the show and just what maybe didn't stick the landing with you? First so. off, I got to say WandaVision. First off, I don't really like TV shows in general because um, like I've stated, I like to be sort of transported into the world that they're creating. And a lot of different TV shows in the past haven't had the budget to make the show or the world believable where I'm really critical of like flaws in the CGI or acting that isn't that, um, you know, real. Um, so for WandaVision to like blow me away, it was a high bar, but to be honest, it did for the most part because it was, it was storytelling like I've never really seen before. Um, it'd be easy for Kevin Feige or the creators of the show to have, spoiler alert, to have had Wanda and Vision, sort of the origin of this, the show, start at the beginning. It would have been really easy to show Wanda just after Endgame, you know, wanting to see Vision. It would have been really easy for them to start from there. But to start from, like, mid mid show really um in the own world not understanding what's going on with the whole black and white thing um it made it really interesting and compelling and so i think the whole series just the concept as a whole is something that like is right up my alley because i feel like i like something that's sort of offbeat and um just really out there but they pulled it off for the most part the part that i had a problem with was the ending because um, I did my best to be honest, not to get my hopes up or not to follow too many theories. Um, because I feel like when you start, Mephisto, 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 when you start listening to all these different YouTubers suggesting or pointing out little Easter eggs, it's like, oh, well, that makes sense. Maybe they're plotting something because in the past they have, um, for the most part. Like, you know, they're in Captain America, the Winter Soldier, when Captain America is uh, interrogating one of the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents and the guy goes, oh, well, there's a lot of people on our watch list, uh, blah, 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 blah. And he mentions Doctor Strange. And like, there's all these little Easter eggs in the past movies that eventually led up to really Infinity War and Endgame. And so for fans of comics in general to see WandaVision and have just like just a junk load of Easter eggs and little hints and stuff. It's like, well, clearly they're heading towards something, but then for them to um, sort of like not do that, it definitely, my expectations were not met because I, it was my fault really. I was believing all these theories and I was like, oh, that would have been so cool. Like I was really hopeful that, um, who's the sword guy again, Hayward? Hayward, yeah. Yeah, I thought that he was going to be Ultron because he melted into like an old man or whatever. Um, I'm like, oh, that would have been cool because, you know, Ultron, we never actually saw Ultron die. We only saw a flash of light behind a tree. And so I was 
and Ultron is honestly one of my favorite characters because he looks so cool. And uh, even though I don't necessarily agree with the title of the movie Age of Ultron, it'd be more like the 24 hours of Ultron, but which is why if they would have had Ultron in this you know, series, it, would, it really would have been an age of Ultron because it would have been like six or seven years, at least in the MCU. But um, so that was that. And then another thing is with the finale is that it, it did seem rushed. But then when I think you sent me a link of as to why it appeared rushed, it's because of the pandemic and, um, you know, sc- scheduling conflicts and the fact that if they push the series back, then it would have or delayed the ending then it would have pushed back um winter soldier and really the whole mcu slate for this year so from that i was like okay you know they did their best um but i mean there's a lot of things that in the show in the finale at least that that didn't resonate with me specifically who's been messing up everything it's been agatha I, I thought her character arc was – I the way I – well, I think those are all great points. I think what really had me so hooked on WandaVision, probably a lot of people, was they did such a balance of the cliffhanger ending with the WTF is happening. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so they, yeah. they – I, I definitely didn't notice that. You know, I mean, they, they could have took the easy route. And, but they decide to go kind of in the middle and then work their way backwards and then forward. And I don't know, it was really well done to me. The finale was <clears throat> awesome. Just like, cause it was so fast paced, just like, it was like, it's like kind of what you're waiting for. Cause the show started very slow and then like, it just picks right up. And then like vision comes in like two minutes in and it was all fun and all that. But I guess the one thing that kind of did rub me the wrong way was the whole Fiatro thing. Like, Oh yeah. Evan mm-hmm. Peters was li- li- just Ralph Boner, but I, which is funny, but like, you know, it's like, I think we're going to see more payoff of what happened in WandaVision later as, as time goes on, whether it's referenced in Loki or, you know, it's Dr. Strange two, Spider-Man three, well, Spider-Man no way home. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see very interesting because originally in the slate, Falcon and Winter Soldier were supposed to come first and then WandaVision and actually Doctor Strange 2 was supposed to come directly like two months after. I yeah, believe. 2021 and, May, I think, right? Something but like they kind of had to shift everything around. And so, I mean, I think we're going to get payoffs and maybe, you know, who knows, maybe in Doctor Strange 2, Multiverse of Madness, you know, um, Evan Peters comes back and he's like, yeah, this guy's really who you know who he is it's not that was just i don't know who knows what they have up their sleeve but um it i thought it was it was a fun journey the finale you know there's some parts of it that were just definitely like yeah all right but like seeing her in the full costume was awesome and uh you know just the, the whole adult, like incredibles team up moment was cool yeah but um i um I wanted to comment that I, um, when you're, what, what they teach us in storytelling is that you write a beginning, a middle, and an end, but then you cut off the beginning and you start a story right in the middle, which is, I think, exactly what WandaVision did. Um, and then, you know, throughout the story, you come back to the beginning. So that way, 
it it gives a cryptic nature to the story and it keeps people interested and i think that's what wandavision did perfectly um and you, you said it was a little slow and i could see how it was a little slow but honestly i loved it um for what it was and then in the beginning at the finale it did seem rushed it, it i don't think they needed an extra episode but i do think they needed a little bit more time and it makes sense as to why um you sent me that link because um they just ran out of time. So they kind of had to just jumble what they had together. And I think hopefully in the future, I hope they release like a, the extended version of it or something. Um, Cause I think it'd be really good for the show as a whole, sort of like a cap mark bookend of it to, to have it for what it was meant to be, you know? Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I know they did that with Mandalorian for like, yeah, yeah. They did with Mandalorian. Yeah. So it's not like, impossible. like, you know, they're doing the Snyder cut now. So let's get the, let's get the Feige cut, you know? <laughs> um, We'll talk about the Snyder cut in a minute, but I want to, what's your excitement level for Falcon and winter soldier? Cause that's literally coming next week. And I've seen some tweets that people are like, yeah, the, the action is epic and it's, it's going to be obviously a very different show, but I think it's going to be cool. Cause it's supposedly set, you know, right after end game and it's end game, was what 2025 so it's going to definitely be a little more futuristic but also the action looks awesome and i don't know i'm just curious to see buck you know bucky at without having cap to lean on him yeah uh, and then sam just kind of being more of a leader you know yeah so. i'd say my excitement level is low because yeah. but to be honest my excitement level for wandavision was low too but i when they were doing the marketing for WandaVision, I was like, okay, it seems interesting, but like, I'm not too excited about it. But as I started watching, I'm like, okay, this is sick. But I think it's different for Cap, uh, Winter Soldier and Falcon because um, WandaVision was a very cryptic show. Like, and I don't know if Captain or uh, what's it called? The Winter Soldier and F Falcon, the Winter Soldier is going to be as um, mystical as that because obviously it doesn't have anything to do with magic at least i think um and then also i don't know something about sam wilson as falcon has never really um like budged me in the right way and i don't it's not like him as a person because i i do like his other shows um like i loved him in eight mile <laughs> when he got destroyed um but he he uh i don't know some about his it feels like he's forcing to be funny sometimes um but i guess we'll see like i do love his character the falcon and his his red wing and all this stuff and i do like bucky i just don't really know where they're going with the show so i guess we'll have to see i'm definitely gonna watch it though don't get me wrong oh me too i'm i'm like not excited but i'm i'm more curious like i i i'm i think I hear you though. The Falcon character doesn't really excite me, but his new costume look looks sick. So it's like, okay, now you're a little more because when he first was introduced, it was just a wingsuit with some guns, and then he kind of slowly. But his new suit looks very high tech and awesome. But we'll see. I mean, it, from my understanding, it looks kind of like a buddy cop comedy, but like with high intense sequences of action. Because yeah. Marvel, I think, recently released that it's going to be their most violent um, property. And I think it has a TV rating of 14 or whatever, which is like wow. below the mature audience thing. 
So it's going to be, but I don't know. I mean, we'll see what the story telling are. Cause I've heard that I've heard reports and rumors that um, the show might have his like, cause the, the show, you know, they're inter- the, the government makes this new version of Captain America. It's just like a secret agent or Britain or whatever. Yeah. No. Um, agent walker and she's just like a government agent and they make him a captain america suit because the report i've seen is like the show will show aspects of the modern world where how like they're saying how unaccepting the world will be you know if when falcon you know is the is a black captain america like it's going to be very real in that aspect and to a degree i don't know how but they said it's going to be i don't know I, i mean i have faith and Kevin Feige and the folks over there, they, they always deliver. So, but, but let's talk about the glorious Snyder cut, Zack Snyder's justice league. I got to say, man, it's been a very long time since I've felt like excited and hyped to watch like a movie. I maybe, cause I guess we haven't really had any big like comic book movies, you know, due to the pandemic, but like, I am just like, yeah oh we know <laughs> life is good but it could be better <laughs> it was fine but like actually, i actually haven't seen it yet but yeah i you know how I, I normally like all of them for the most part that probably was one of my least favorite ones that i've seen maybe i need to rewatch it but oh, i mean really? pedro, pedro pascal Pas, pascal whatever he was awesome in it obviously you know but uh you know i don't think you will appreciate it even probably as much as I did, even though I didn't really like it, just like the, the storytelling element of the movie is very cheesy and not there. Hmm. So, um, but I watch it. I, I would watch it because Gal Gadot is awesome. Yeah, but, I'm, I'm hesitant about Kristen Wiig because she's like a comedic actor and she has a very villainous role. So, but yeah, I'll check it out sometime. But yeah, dude, Zack Snyder, I'm I'm pretty hyped for this movie. I don't know. I mean, I I think it's I'm one for as a you know as a writer yourself. Like it's probably very exciting because it's like to see someone's vision actually come to life, you know, and like get a second chance is is like it, it, it like part of the reason I bought that book is well obviously it, it, it this is a moment in history. Like this could change, you know, the way with, with the streaming services, you know. But I'm just. I don't know. I'm just curious to not to see a non version of Steppenwolf that's like from a PlayStation video game. You know, someone that's here to conquer the world and is just chopping. You know, and I don't know. It looks epic, and I don't know. I don't know what to expect, really. I mean, I'm just excited to watch it. Like, I'm I, well, I'm excited to see Darkseid. You know, it, I think I don't know how big of a role he has in the movie, but to see Darkseid is going to be really cool. But where, where you're, what are you, what are you looking forward to that? Or are you just kind of excited to see a big epic comic book movie for the first time in a while? Don't know the power of the dark side. So, uh, first of all, I think one of the biggest blessings and curses of the Hollywood industry is the fact that so many hands are tied in a project. You have um, producers, you have executive producers, you have the director, you have the writers, you have you know, the CEOs of the the studios and whatnot, you have all these stakeholders that you have to account for. And sometimes that 
all those different hands and helping hands, they amount to a really, really, really good movie. Um, Endgame, for example, had a lot of hands in it and it just turned out fantastic. On the other hand, um, you can also have a lot of hands in a project that uh, don't represent what the, you know, the artist, like the author, the, the director, the writers, what they wanted the show to be. So um, I think that was the case with this movie, well, the original movie, Joss Whedon. Um, but there's a lot of drama, I think that happened. I think Zach's um, daughter killed herself, you said, right? Yes, and so, like, there's a lot of different unfortunate things that happened. And um, I think you said in another podcast or the other Ryan said that the executives wanted their bonus. So they just released what they had, um, which is unfortunate. But to be honest, when I first watched the movie, I didn't hate it. I thought it was quite entertaining, um, but I didn't have expectations for the movie. So maybe that's why. But to see an artist like Zack Snyder get his key to do what he wants with the characters that he um, helped form. It's really going to be interesting to see what he does with them because he's really had unlimited range to do what he wants, I think. And and um, I think it's going to be really, really, really compelling. Um, that said, I don't think every artist that gets their own key to a movie is always successful because, I mean, for example, I never thought there could be a bad Star Wars movie. Actually, I really never thought there could be a bad like science fiction movie until I saw The Last Jedi. And um, that movie like really put me into a slump because I don't know if like people understand us moviegoers, we get so much expectation for certain franchises that we like. And then for the movie to just like, not only not deliver, but like slap you in the face and then kick you down a hill. Um, it hurts, man. So I'm optimistic about this movie. What I've seen looks really cool. All the different um, enhancements in the color grading and just the tone and uh, like the runtime for hours. I think he has a lot of time to really mess around and get a triple double or something so get a triple double <laughs> i i'm so he zach snyder's on record saying that like cyborg is the heart of the movie like he so i'm, I'm really because like i think in justice league haha <laughs> yeah he, uh, he got his cyborg kind of got done dirty like he just kind of was just like there you know so i think there's such a different backstory with him like with him dying so to speak and his dad working on him and you know, his mother dying in that accident. And so I'm, I'm curious to see more because he's actually like a really powerful character, you know, that he can hack into the internet and all this different stuff. He's super compelling too. I really liked how, I mean, I don't really know too much about him, but the way that he was presented in the original, um, well, not the original, but the Justice League, I, I actually didn't have a problem with it, but I did want to see more of him. And I think there's, if you said he's the heart of the movie for this one, and that's going to be awesome because he was, I think he was my favorite character in the movie, at least. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm curious just to see all the characters get more of like a backstory. Like, for instance, like Aquaman, like in Snyder's original cut, like 
William Defoe was supposed because you've seen Aquaman, right? Uh, Volko, he William Defoe plays Volko and Aquaman, and he was like that was supposed to be his intro. And uh, so it's like there's more of an Atlantis aspect, there's more. I'm curious to see what the Flash does too. Like, I think he's gonna have a little bit of like a time travel element to it. I don't know how, but I think he's gonna have more of a bigger role than just be kind of like a quirky, awkward jokester. I still think he's gonna be awkward, but I think he's gonna like be more badass. Yeah. Um, By the way, his suit is like my favorite suit out of any superhero, to be honest. Dude, it's so well done. (laughs) But it's uh, interesting. Um, Man, I'm I'm really sparked now because to be honest, I love like I think the Last Jedi might be my favorite in like the new trilogy of Star Wars. Really? I I don't know. It's aside from the random casino adventure, which I just was like, what the heck. I, I don't know. I li- I really like the ambition of that movie. Just like seeing Luke Skywalker so bummy and just like depressed. Yeah. I thought that was a very interesting aspect. And I just love the ending when he's like, see you around kid. And he like schools him. Like I thought that was awesome. Yeah. Um, I mean, I like the force awakens too, but like it's. There's I wish- a lot of um, different like nitty picky things that I didn't like about the last Jedi. One is that they used <clears throat> in the final battle, they use slow-mo, which is only really used for like, like action movies, um, like cop movies or something. I don't know. It's really there to show something that's cool. Um, but I think it, it can be overused where it just kind of takes away from the moment. And for me, they, when they use slow motion in the end, when Kylo Ren, um, tries to slice, uh, what's his name? Luke Skywalker. And he like, it goes like right over him. I was like, okay, come on. Like you don't need to do that. Cause there's never been awesome. a, there's never been a slow motion in star Wars before. So it just seemed out of character for that. And, um, like another nitpicky thing is that in the scene with, um, Kylo Ren and Luke Skywalker, when they're on crate and, the lighting just seems so weird that I can tell it's a green screen and like it's stuff like that. that takes me out of the show. Cause I, I know I'm watching a movie at that point. Um, and there's like a lot of other things, like the whole fact, the whole series as a whole, what, um, force awakens last Jedi and, uh, rise of Skywalker was not what George Lucas envisioned at all. Like originally his three, um, uh, what are they called? Like uh, sequels, I guess. Um, was going to revolve around like sort of like a quantum world of the midichlorians, which is what Jedi's use to harness the Force. Um, and I was like, oh, that would have been so cool. But George Lucas got so much backlash from his prequels, um, with like you know the Phantom Menace and all those, that he got so much hate that he was like, I. Like, why would I make more movies if you guys are just going to hate it so much? So he sold it to Disney. And then he's like, here's what I have planned or had planned for the seventh, eighth and ninth movies. And it'd be really great if you could like, you know, do it. And um, the executives were like, oh, yeah, yeah, like we'll consider it. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, they didn't even get anywhere close to it. And so um, I think it's a real sort of. Uh, I don't know the word, but just it was it's sad that we never got to see George Lucas's full vision 
But that said, I, I did like The Force Awakens. The Rise of Skywalker was like, okay. Um, I wish Colin Trevorrow's <laughs> would have come out because that seems sick. Which, by the way, there's a new um, free comic book series run of the whole Colin Trevorrow thing, which is just awesome if anyone wants to check it out. Um, but then, yeah, The Last Jedi just, like, it was, it was weird. Especially the scene when her and um, Rey and Kylo are fighting the Praetorian guards of um, Supreme Leader Snoke. Dang, how did I know all those words? Um like there's a there's a video of someone breaking down each segment of the fight and it's like straight from the get-go one of the guards just stabs the floor for no reason and then another scene has kylo ren kick one guard but three of them fall back and then and then there's like a bunch of other quirky things it's like okay that was one of the worst fight scenes i've ever seen but but to be honest, I'll give the Last Jedi credit where it's due. Um, whenever I watch it, I still get like that same feeling I got when I went into the theater to watch it, where it's like this nostalgia of like it's a Star Wars movie. So I do appreciate that, and I I, th- I have given Ryan Johnson a lot of hate over the years because he really I just want to have like a talk with him like why did you do these things, but um, I don't think it should have ruined his life. No, he's a great yeah. director. Knives Out is a great movie. That was phenomenal. Yeah. And even Kelly Marie Tran, I love her. Shout out to Westview and, High. Yeah, she went to Westview local high school. Um, and now she has her own movie, The Raya, The Last Dragon, which I, I want to check out, but I haven't, but I will. So, yeah, I got to give credit where it's due. I hear you. I mean, just the, the whole... Uh, um, uh, Can you hear that? Sort of, yeah. It's all good. <laughs> what do you call it? It's just the whole uh, aspect of um, Luke milking uh, that creature's. Yeah, that was weird. That that's <laughs> that, that that just captured everything for me. Now, uh, I don't know. Last Jedi. I, there's obviously some parts of it I didn't like, but I I don't know. I at least from the, the I try not to pay attention too much to like the nitpicky stuff unless it's just that bad or maybe i just don't have quite the eye for it so it's like i just kind of like watch it at face value and just like soak it in but um you know who got me to be so nitpicky who mr hall from (laughs) what a guy i never thought there was such thing as a bad movie until my junior year of high school because um we had like a whole section in on i think was it English class or something? I don't know. That was one of my favorite classes I've ever took, like in like high school and school. Like that was a good class. The sloth. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was awesome. But like I remember he he dissected um Avengers actually and Transformers. And he he said why Avengers worked and why Transformers um didn't. And I was like, You're wrong. Like Transformers was amazing, but it's because of my Hello. <laughs> it's because of my um, like pubescent years where I thought like robots were cool and stuff, which I still do. But I was overlooking the whole like aspect of storytelling and stuff. But um, he really brought me on to the fact that you have to look at the different themes of movies and stuff, 
which can be a little boring, but uh, it's just a part of me now. So I can't not look at it that way. <laughs> hey, well, shout out to Mr. Hall. Shout out. But, um, I think we're approaching two hours here. Close, close to it. Seriously? Yeah. So okay. this will be the, I think the longest episode to date, but I mean, I, you know, we're, as I said, when I introduced you, break it up in two parts if you want. <laughs> just part one and part two. I might just have to do that, but yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll see when when uh, we get the cut. <laughs> um, but um, I mean, those are really all the topics I had for today. Um, hey, I have a part topic. Of, oh, what's up? I, I actually, since I'm your uh, longest, I think friend. Well, actually, no. Maybe Theo was the longest friend you've had on the show but i uh i compiled some things that i think your uh followers your your listeners might appreciate so there's four categories oh boy uh, and i'm gonna give you the option to uh pick which one you want to go with first so we have most memorable ryan moments according to me (laughs) most memorable ryan quotes most fun Ryan moments or most admirable Ryan traits. So of those, what do you want to start with? I guess let's go backwards the way you said it. Oh, okay. So start with the traits. Yeah. All right. So these are the things that I think Ryan uh, over, I've known Ryan since sixth grade and over the years, these are the things that I think are the most fundamental features of a ryan padersky ryan nicholas padersky you know me you know me you know me really well so i'm curious to hear this number three starting at number three knowledgeable oh ryan is the most knowledgeable person about sports about movies about music that i've ever known he knows like every player in the nba their stat line their height he knows every player in the MLB. He knows all the teams. He knows all the like crazy histories of sports. He knows he's the one that inspired me to venture into like Hoodie Allen and all these different offbeat artists. And um, he's just like ridiculously knowledgeable when it comes to these things. And I don't think many people know that about him, but I always thought he would be like a sort of sports commentator because he just had that level of knowledge um so that's number three number two thank you you're welcome (laughs) pure i wrote pure Uh um not in a holy way (laughs) holy 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 but (laughs) so so what i wrote is he's pure because he's innocent as in he's kind and shy with others Number one, the number one trait of Ryan Podersky. You know, I want, I'm curious. You know what? Um, I was kind of just freaking out. Uh, I think I missed number two because I, I thought I, I said recording pause. So I was like, oh, shoot, did we just miss a hole? But then I hit the <laughs> button and then it said recording pause. So it. So I think. Start from number two. Yeah, sorry. No worries. All right. So number two, we got. Minor production delay. I was very uh, I was just like crap. I like a, you know, Pam. I'm like, did I, did I? Did we just like miss like 30 minutes of an episode? <laughs> I mean, well, it'd be fine. We have like two hours. <laughs> um, so number two, I put your pure, not in a holy way, 
but more that like not 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 in a holy way what i'm trying to say is that you're a very innocent guy the way that you approach others you're very shy and um you know very thoughtful and whatnot but then i also said that when you want to you can blow a fuse like we've we've seen red ryan before and uh <laughs> like ryan can get ryan can go hulk so i i wrote he's just a very wholesome person very um can always go with the flow and the only word i could equate that with was pure so that's that and then i had some honorable mentions that you're very loyal because you're always there for your your good friends and that you're hilarious because you got to be like one of the funniest dudes because you you do things and you say things that you don't even try to be funny but you just are so you're just hilarious and then number one do you know what number one is i'm curious your number one trait according to me I, uh, I think I've told you before. I can't put the tip of my tongue on it. I, the word that I came up with was that you're personable. Mm. You can connect with anyone and anyone anywhere, which is why I think you're so good with this podcasting because you're able to have a conversation with people that you don't know and just like connect with them. Um, I said that, oh yeah, I said that here in San Diego and used to live here. You were the glue that really kept our friendship together um, with like our whole friend group. Because to be honest, I haven't reached out really to the old friends that we used to hang out with, which is, you know, I, I'm going to try to do better. But um, you were really the glue, man. You're like the one that held us all together. So those are the top Ryan traits that I've come to know over the years. Now, moving up, we got the most fun Ryan moments. Now, this is more just stuff that I consider fun, like the times that I've had fun with you. Um, so obviously, starting at number three, obvious. Here, let's say it on three. Ready? One, two, two three. three. Do you know what it is? <laughs> dude, well, dude, there's like, I don't know. I feel like there's like 20, 20 honorable mentions that we could do. I wrote, I wrote USD basketball camp. It was one of the best, like, couple days of my life because – First of all, we were roommates for, I think, like the first time in our life. Go Aztecs. Yep. And I, <laughs> so we had a little a little friend. Um, I won't mention any names, but. <laughs> Take a shower. <laughs> yes, we had a couple like rascals that uh, needed some, defi some definite shower time. And he, instead of taking a shower, he used Axe body spray to mask his scent and we like gathered all our fellow basketball hoopers in our room, like blocked him out because he smelled so bad. And then another, you, you lost our card, our, our key card to get into the room. So we were homeless for like the first day. And then remember we got dominoes and we yep. put it in the dresser. <laughs> so man, that was like one of the best times. Um, such a fun, such a fun couple days. Number two, it's really sort of two different things because um, I wrote Buffalo and San Diego, San Diego. So um, the times that I've gone to Buffalo, like just out of the world fun, because for one, it's different from what I know. It's all green out there and flat. And uh, you know, like I'm in the household of the Poderskis. So it's always fun, the adventures we go on and whatnot. And then I wrote San Diego, not necessarily the time that you lived here, but more the when you would come back to, um, visit and you would like you know sleep in my room or whatnot and we would just go do random things 
um that was those are times that i thought were really really fun um like even when we went to we went to the lakers game that was and so had the um the box seats and then we saw our old friends and whatnot and it was just a good time so that's number two and number one of the most fun ryan moments i think anyone that is a friend of ryan at least that lived in san diego san diego can say this is that you have the late night hangout sesh in the teen years at the Ryan household because you never knew what was going to happen, whether it was, um, you know, games of NBA 2K, doorbell ditching, prank calling people, um, basketball 1v1s because Ryan was always Kobe and I was always LeBron and yeah. we would always have these games of 1v1 and uh, we would see who win or who I won. I think we played one game up to 100 once, right? You were up like 80 and I had like 30 and I came back, but you still won, but I came back and it, it, it got pretty close, but I don't know. For those of you that don't know, Ryan is a master with the backboard. Like dude just hits it off the top of the backboard and it like most always goes in. And uh, yeah, dude, dude can hoop. Thank you. I, I, I try to tell people that like at work and stuff now. Yeah. Okay. I'm like, I'll, I'll take anyone on in this company. I'll, I'll, I'm, <laughs> I may not be good at bowling, but like, hey, I'll I can beat anyone in basketball. I guarantee you. You ever dunk? Didn't you dunk once? <sighs> yeah, sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> no, I can get the I I can get the rim, but like I never was able to. I've touched rim, but I've I've never dunked. It's hard. I mean, well, because I my my hands aren't that big, so I can't like palm the ball. Boom. Yeah, I actually got big hands. Yeah, I I don't unfortunately. I mean, they're like average, but. The basketball, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so moving up, we got the most memorable Ryan quotes. Oh boy, Um, these are. I actually had some different quotes, but I ran them by Theo yesterday. (laughs) I ran them by Theo yesterday, and he was like, "Bro, I don't know if you should say." (laughs) Hey, so I, I, uh, I cleaned it up a little. Um, These are, but honestly, these are still true. So at number three, there is a time when I would go over to Ryan's house and I would stay for so long that um, it wouldn't be just like, we wouldn't just be doing fun things anymore. He would actually have to start doing some chores while I was there. So um, one time time, him and him and his dad were vacuuming and like Ryan, like he was obviously like trying to mess with him and he like just kept messing up and slamming the vacuum and like, pretending he didn't know how to do it. And Bill just like ripped it away from him and said, you know, just go to your room. I'll do it myself. And I'll never forget it because Ryan Winters, the this loft at the time, the game room, and I was outside of the room and I just like peeked through the door and Ryan's talking to himself like, well, you done it again, Ryan. You did it again. Look what you've done. Like you're just talking to yourself. <laughs> is this is this what ryan does and i never forget that because it just it just sums up ryan perfectly like he refers to himself in the third person (laughs) (laughs) um all right so that's number three number two it's uh the time that i really knew that ryan was going to be a good friend of mine because in sixth grade i had another friend that we got in an argument and um he kind of that friend pushed the other friends around me away and Ryan was the only one that came up to me and was like, I got your back. That's what he said. And 
he stood up for me. And then I remember you came to my house and my mom gave you a hug because you stood up for me and whatnot. And um, that was like one of the defining moments that took our friendship from just, you know, sort of acquaintances to like best friends. So there's that. And then of course I got some honorable mentions. Um, we got Bazooka Zooka Bubblegum. <laughs> Cause back then Ryan had a really um, high pitched voice and he would always go Bazooka Zooka Bubblegum. And then of course followed by instant oatmeal because for some reason he would say instant oatmeal. <laughs> and then hey, I, I, still eat, I, still eat, I still eat instant oatmeal. Same. I don't know if this is a quote, but I, I put the SpongeBob laugh because you, you know how to do that laugh. Can you do it? Give it give it one time. Nah. <laughs> Actually, that was pretty good. And uh, obviously coming up at number one. Um, I'm, I'm terrified. It's not it's not bad. It's actually it's actually my origin story, if you will. Um, we used to watch college basketball a lot. And the Dukies were one of my actually they are my favorite college basketball team. And they have an announcer called Dickie V, Dick Vitell. And, uh, you know, they call him Dickie Dukies V. Dukies are on fire, baby. Look at them, they go. But what Ryan doesn't, I don't know if you know this, but you actually gave me the name Nicky V because of Dickie V. Oh, and right. ever since then, that's what I like to be referred to as Nicky V. Working with kids, they call me Mr. Nicky V. But it all started with my origin superhero story of Ryan saying, Nikki V, baby. <laughs> so those are the most memorable Ryan quotes. Now, these are the most memorable <laughs> Ryan moments. These oh, are a little bit um actually now, I had to go through them a little because I was like, now, I don't know. Now I'm actually terrified. <laughs> no, no, no. I got all the bad ones away. Well, okay. most of them. So there's wow. actually how many I got? I got eight total. Three of them are honorable mentions. Coming in at number five. We got the bumblebee sting. Um, Ryan and I went to the beach and I don't know how, but Ryan got a bee sting right on his neck, like right here. No, right under the story wrong. That was at your football game. Was it? Yeah. Okay. Well, playing. then another time you got stung at the beach, but that, I think that was on your foot, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. So never mind. But either way, he got stung on his throat, basically. Leroy. And, <laughs> yeah. And he got a huge double chin because it swelled up. And I was like, don't worry, I got this. At the time, I was on, um, uh, what's that, like an acne wash type thing. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, crap, I uh, can't think of it. Whatever it was, it, it had a lot of chemicals. And I was like, this is going to take care of it, trust me. So we put this lotion on and and uh, on the sting, and it swells up further. So he looks like Mitch McConnell. And I'm like, uh <laughs> i didn't i didn't think that was good and then proactive. Um, proactive that was it yeah and um yeah i mean so i kept putting like more and more top cools on it and it just kept getting bigger and bigger like he was turning into squidward's nose and eventually he had to go home and my mom had to tell him or tell your mom that um you know like we treated ryan with a bunch of pesticides, <laughs> which I think it eventually went down, obviously. But yeah, that definitely was a, a of, definitely a ton of Benadryl for sure. <laughs> that was one of the memorable Ryan moments. Um, another 
the uh, so the fourth memorable moment I have with Ryan is the first time I ever met him. Actually, I had another friend at the time who um, I was good friends with, and you know I'd known of Ryan for maybe like a year because we played in the same basketball league. I just thought of Ryan as like this ridiculously good uh, shooter because dude made everything from the wing from he just he was such a good shooter, which uh, is because he wanted to impress a girl. But we'll, <laughs> we'll say that for another story. But um, so our friend, we had a mutual friend and he like introduced me one day. He's like, oh, yeah, this is my friend, Ryan. And I was like, oh, shoot, that's Ryan. That's Ryan Podersky. And at the time, he had like this long hair. He was like, oh, hey, what's up, man? And, um, you know, like we said, what's up? And over the next couple of weeks of sixth grade, we ended up hanging out a lot. And now we're besties, best bros for life. So that's uh, number four of my most memorable Ryan moments. Number three, we have the infamous Ryan haircut buzz. Uh, So... I don't even know what happened, but I just remember Ryan, it was me, you, and Theo, and we were at his house and we wanted, or you wanted a haircut, or I don't even know if you wanted a haircut. I think you just, we just, we just said, we're going to give you a haircut. And you're like, okay. And we set you up in the bathroom. I don't even think we gave you, we maybe gave you a towel or something. And Theo gets the buzzer and he, he turns it on and I'm just standing there like, are we really doing this? And like the first stroke, and there's just this big bald line right across his head. And Ryan can't see what we're doing. And <laughs> me and Theo just look at each other like, uh-oh. And then Ryan's like, what, what, what was it? What happened? And he just starts getting super angry. <laughs> and then we're just like, no, 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 bro, don't worry. We got this. We're going to make it all right. And so then he keeps going and shaving it more. And the more he shaves it, the more hair is coming down onto Ryan's bare skin chest. And he's like, it's so itchy. It's so itchy. Ah, ah. And it was like one of the, I, I almost peed my pants because I was dying so hard. Cause like, first of all, he looked ridiculous. Cause he had like these puffs of hair that Theo just kept cutting around. And then he's like turning bright red because all this hair is like making him so uncomfortable. It was, it was uh, one of the funniest moments I think I've ever been a part of, but the Ryan haircut buzz of maybe 2011 or something like that. It had to be, yeah. Quite a memory. Coming in at number two. Ow, ow. If you don't know, so I I had it, or I have an account with lots of followers. But back in the day when Vine was around, Ryan actually um, made the rounds on the internet. At the time, there was a song... Well, at the time, there still is a song. Um, I don't even remember. All That Matters, matters. I think. All That Matters by Justin Bieber. And there's a point in the song where he goes, ow, ow. And he like does this little hip thrust. And I had the idea. I was like, wait, this is perfect. What if we like really played on that moment and like did the hip thrust in just really funny situations? So me, Ryan, and our other friend, we start filming Ryan, Ryan like sliding in. I think uh, were you in your underwear the whole time? Probably, yeah. <laughs> he had was it my underwear or was it your underwear? No, my it was my Elmo underwear. He had this Elmo underwear with like his Elmo's eyes and nose, like you know, 
little south. And uh, Brian would slide in and be like, oh, oh. He tattooed me up too. Like, oh, yeah. And I tattooed because Justin Bieber has a lot of tattoos. So we tattooed you up. And um, I almost got them pretty much exact because I'm a big Justin Bieber stan. <laughs> and, um, you know, we finished the vine. The last, the last one, by the way, was Ryan was out in the snow with just his underwear. <laughs> and he goes, ow, ow. And um, like I said, Ryan knew a lot of people that had connections to make this vine blow up. So we we paid for some promotion and Ryan ended up getting like, what, 50,000 likes or something like that. And it- Something absurd, yeah. It was... And it started a trend of other people doing it. Cause I remember it was followed by another big account that started you know doing that thing so um that was one of the funniest things because ryan's been embarrassed of it so i, I had the video but he asked me to delete it so i what? i did oh i i maybe it might be on my facebook still or like private but um yeah for those of you that don't know ryan has a history in show business so i guess <laughs> great that was that was oh man I don't even know. all right so now we hit the honorable mentions um there's three of them so so this was maybe two years ago ryan came back and visited san diego um he stayed with me and unfortunately i was still in school so i i couldn't just like hang out with him all the time so I, uh, I said, well, Ryan, what if you just like come to my class? <laughs> what if you just come to my like, you know, session of class? And I forgot that we, <laughs> we had an exam that day. So um, Ryan shows up to my college class and the teacher, he's a little out there. I don't think he really knew what he was doing, but Ryan sits next to me and the teacher's coming around, like passing out exams and whatnot. He gives me mine and then he gives um, Ryan's and Ryan's like, thank you. And I remember the teacher's like looking at him like, do I know you? But he just like let him do it. And so we're like, we're taking our exam and um, it's a movie class. So it's based on films and stuff. And I'm doing mine. I look over at Ryan and Ryan's like, like, I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> but I think you finished like first or second. Did you even know what the questions were about or did he just guess i just like pretended like i was thinking and i just bubbled random ones in it was like the funniest thing ever and and uh i think we ended up watching a movie was it Hans, um Hans Labyrinth, yeah. which is pretty sick actually i never seen it before yeah um but yeah that was one of the funniest moments because like for us to get away with that was just really unusual and just hilarious so that's honorable mention all right honorable mention the second one when we were in high school um i think it was junior year it was nearing the end of the year and luckily for us it was me you um our other friend uh james and a couple other people we all had a history class together and you know where i'm going with this <laughs> oh no and uh ryan there was a big dance coming up um, prom. Some people call it the prom. Uh, this was Ryan's one shining moment. And there is a girl in our class that um, Ryan wanted to ask out to the prom. 
So I, knew uh, she, I, I, I heard through the grapevine that she wanted to go with me and I knew she would say yes. I would have, I never would have done this, you know? Well, of course, of course. So, I mean, it was all like a for sure thing, which is good. Cause it would have been really bad if she said no. <laughs> I mean, but, I don't think anyone has the stomach to say no, like that. They would have probably just been like, yeah. And then like, yeah, that's well, not- here's what happened though. This is what happened. We were in the class and <sighs> Ryan hasn't arrived yet. And I don't know if I helped you plan it or whatnot, but I just remember you bust through the doors um, with flowers and um, you ask the girl, you're like, will you go to prom with me? Part of the whole class. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And even the teacher, Coach Brown, was like, woo, 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 woo. And he had the audacity, because we have these projector screens in the class, to have you two... Um, stand in front of the projector and have a, like a beautiful sunset <laughs> and like this lovey-dovey music in the background. And I took a picture and it was just like, everyone's like, yeah, Ryan, yeah, yeah, Like yeah. the man that day for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it was, that was, uh, that was bold, Ryan. That was bold. Shoot, I need to get only, back to my roots. Only a Ryan could do that. So that's that. <sighs> and then we have two more. Wow. So the last honorable mention is actually from a day in sixth grade when Ryan had an old flame of his, um, unfortunately, part ways. And this was like the first time I ever really told or got to talk to Ryan um, with advice because we were just such new friends. Um, And I think it's also notable that I watched a lot of rom-coms back in the day. So I thought I had a lot of knowledge on the topic of how to deal with a breakup and ryan i remember she broke up with him they hugged and then we went to the basketball court sat down and ryan's just like man she left me <laughs> Dude, that's in sixth grade like <laughs> i don't know like why would she do this and i'm like thinking like dang dude don't worry i've seen a lot of rom-coms i guarantee by monday she's going to come back to you this is just what they do trust me and ryan's like okay okay never talked again <laughs> i don't think you ever even gave eye contact to each other but i'm sure i'm sure we did but it was yeah. but it was just it was just like i was 100 percent sure i'm like dude trust me like she's gonna be crawling back to you in a couple of days never happened <laughs> that's okay uh, that was a memorable moment for me but the most memorable moment Oh boy, um, Ryan, I want I want you to have a venture, have a guess. It's pretty. Um, I'll give you a hint. It's pretty impactful. Impactful. What type of timeline are we talking? Was it recent? Impactful. Impactful. Impact. Oh, the, the crash. <laughs> we were coming back in high school from, I don't know, was it practice or football cross game practice, or something? Cross practice. And I was in my Land Rover. Um, very blessed to have one. It was actually pretty cheap to get one. It was only a couple thousand. But Ryan was in his um, Toyota Corolla. No. Nissan Sentra is my dad's Nissan car. Sentra. And we're going up Black Mountain Hill, and there's a stoplight, 
and I'm in front of him. I stop at the light. I look in my rear view mirror. I'm like, okay, Ryan's maybe like 200, 300 feet away. I'm like, I don't know if we're in my head. I'm saying like, okay, we're good. We're good. And I just start looking forward. And then all of a sudden I'm not looking forward. I'm looking down and I'm like, why am I looking down? And I, I like stand up. I'm like, what happened? <laughs> and I look in my rear view mirror again. And all I see is Ryan's eyes like, <laughs> he crashed into the back of my bumper and not just like a little tap. It was like a boom. I remember the metal crushing and stuff. And I like, I'm like, what do I, I've never been in a crash before. Luckily Ryan was okay, but I'm like, I don't know what to do. So I, um, I, I don't remember if I looked out my window or something and the front hood of Ryan's car was not flat. It was like up. Yeah. <laughs> it was bent. And I just remember we sort of just like kept strolling along once the light turned green. And um, I, <laughs> I look out my window and Ryan can't see out his windshield because the hood's up. So he's driving with his head out the window down the street, trying to figure out where to go. And we pull over and Ryan's like bawling. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to like say. And we meet up by our old middle school and, uh, He's just crying. He's like, my parents are never going to forgive me, blah, 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 blah. Dramatic. <laughs> I asked him, I said, what were you doing? Like, what happened? He's like, I was I was uh, tying my shoe. <laughs> like, you're tying your shoe, bro. You're not even walking right now. And I'm, I'm like, something's not adding up. So long story short, he, he stays at our house for the night because I think his parents were away. Yeah. And, you know, they figured out that um, – you know, how to fix the car and whatnot. But then a couple of years later, Ryan reveals that he was actually like changing a song on his phone or something. So he wasn't paying attention to the road and he, uh, you know, paid the price for it. But that was what I could remember was the most memorable thing that Ryan has done. Yeah. So Ryan, that's all I got. What do you think? What do you think of the list? <laughs> I think it was pretty on point, pretty epic. A lot of good memories and stories in there that I think will be, uh, I hope that people will appreciate. But those yeah. are. I think it humanizes you a little because um, people know you just as their RPD show, but there's a lot of Ryan behind that meaning. So it is. I mean, Ryan's a part of the name. So, I mean, it's, it's a part of me. I mean, I don't, I don't think anyone's going to. No, I think you've grown a lot from it, from these things too. But it's just like, I mean, we've all done dumb things. I've done dumb things. These are all things that Ryan just happened to do. Like, I'm sure you could have a bunch of things that I've done that were not smart, but that's for another show. <laughs> yeah, but dude, that's that's the best uh, closing portion I've ever, like closing thoughts I've ever had. That was awesome. Nice. I'm glad. Yeah. But I was watching a video the other day on TikTok, and this was um, some high school. They have like a like a like this was ours, the flock. Yeah. <laughs> Don't say this is ours. Um, this was theirs. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> I think they were cougars or something. I don't know. The cougars. cougars. But but hey, Nikki V, thanks for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate you. Obviously. Um, this was fun and long overdue, but love you, man. I, I appreciate 
the the insight. This was a fun conversation. I hope everyone out there will enjoy it. Um, where can they follow you? What do you want to say? Yeah. Um, for those that want some more um, tips and stuff, if you guys are writing or just anything creative, really, uh, you can follow me at X Nikki V that's on my Instagram. Um, and then my Twitter is X. No, my Twitter is Nikki V author. And uh, yeah, I mean, those are really my main spots that I go to. I have other social media platforms, but I forget their usernames, but yeah. Those, those are important ones, but yeah. Hey, this was a real pleasure. Thanks for coming on the show until the next Thanks time, my man. Peace.